talking a lot of shit about the Met Gala for a bitch with a Rubbermaid dresser full of sheen. Hey, fun little editor's note here. So I recorded the podcast with the guest and never once introduced them. Uh, their Dex from Dex's Dex on Twitter. Uh, also one of the podcast hosts from the podcast, the Bisexually Lit Podcast. It's a fun podcast about movies and kind of just deep, fun conversations. Anyways, you should check them out. They're available everywhere podcasts are available. And secondly, uh, at the end of this podcast, uh, Dex has to leave because there's like some kind of fire alarm going off. And then as soon as they leave... My computer crashed, so just a terrible experience all around on my end. Totally messed that up, uh, but we will have them back, and there will be a part two. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Bye. Welcome to the Ain't Shit Show. I'm super excited about today's guest. We actually, I listen to your podcast, Bisexually Lit. I I listen to. Um, your episodes, like I actually love your movie episodes, your movie deep dives, because then I go okay. back and rewatch the movies, and I'm like, damn, this was a good movie. Because I'm such a sh- kind of good movies. I'm such a shithead about movies, because when I watch movies, like I don't, I'm not watching a movie. I'm like watching, I'm like looking at cinematography, stuff that doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? And then watching, hearing people watch movies and like, yeah, I like this part of the movie. I'm like, oh, there's parts, there's whole stories My, going like- on. <laughs> My take on film is, like, I, I knew nothing about movies until, like, my mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And then I, like, when I started learning, like, how cinematography worked, how scripts work and stuff like that, like, once mm-hmm. I understood, like, the sort of minutia of it, uh, mm-hmm. like you were talking about, like, how, you know, how everything works, how everything's laid out, then I started being able to, like, appreciate them more. Um, I'm sorry. If you're getting, like, noise in the background, that's my cat. Uh, he's terrible. Um, but, yeah, so, like learning more about movies made me appreciate them more and then i made friends with a bunch of like people who had gone to uh undergrad together and were like film majors and i was like oh you guys can teach me even more mm-hmm. uh and so now i can't watch a movie without completely overanalyzing it it's great i did um, i went the opposite route and got uh-huh. way into cinema talk what happened was this when i was a kid my like this is something that everyone makes fun of me for but my three favorite movies growing up were uh, Goodfellas. I mean, like, as a child, right? So, like, six or seven. Goodfellas, the Annie remake in the 90s. Um, Yeah, the one with... uh, With Carol Burnett? Yeah, and the guy who plays Gomez. The guy who plays... I can't remember his name. Raul Julia. uh, Yeah, Raul Julia as Rooster. He was, like, when I remember seeing him being, like, he's just, like, me for real. Like, as a kid, you know what I mean? Like, I just wanted to be <laughs> Rooster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then the last one was Polly, which was, like, a Tony Shalhoub movie. Wait, I remember that. It was about, like, a parrot, Yeah, it was right? a Yeah, so Tony like, Shalhoub was the, the parrot. Was, yeah. The cover was super janky. And, like, yeah. <laughs> yes. I think we had that movie at my grandma's house. Wait. Uh, so I used to have these, like, like, every year my parents were, like, all right, you guys are off for school for the whole, like, summer. I, I don't want to care about you for, like, three months. So they would mm-hmm. ship us to our grandparents in, um, like, this. My grandparents had, like, this ranch. And, like, to call it a ranch is, like, a. it sounds, like, glamorous, and it's not. It's just, like, it's, like, a. it was, like, four acres of dirt and then a, um, and then a house on top of it. Right? I've been places like that. Yeah, yeah. My, my dad grew up on a ranch in like eastern Arizona mm. and we would go out and visit and it's like, okay, there's like a hundred cows here and nothing else except oh. for like neighbors who do meth. Yeah, there's uh, no there's no cow. Right. We had no cows, no trees, no goats, no and like nothing fun. Mm. It was just dirt. <laughs> dirt and cactuses. And so like my grandma had like, these cactuses. Why are you ranching? It's dirt. <laughs> yeah, dirt. We're ranching dirt and cactuses. No, my grandma used to like she literally let the cactuses go crazy on like Uh huge and then she would like can she would spend the entire summer canning all of the cactuses and she had a restaurant so so she would sell the cactus but like it was not fun for us because we were just voluntary workers for her yeah you got roped into doing all the canning with her no i wish i did canning i would love to have sat and did canning canning sounds sick i love actually kind of great i love canning yeah no i was out in the fields harvesting 
cactus, which was like brutal oh. labor <laughs> for like a. That's such. But, that's such a dick thing to do to a child. Yeah. So my my like four my so my parents would like pack us. We would literally they give us like a they give us like an hour and a half to pack, right? And it was like a it was like something we didn't want to do, but we didn't have the option. It was like literal boot camp every summer. But they give us like an hour to pack, and we only could everything we could fit in a backpack is what we had to carry us for the entire summer so Holy three shit. whole months and so i got really good at like making my clothes small but the only thing that we had at the ranch was one vhs player and so each of us would bring a movie and because so, mm. there's two there's two more of us there's three of us all together right and so we would each bring a movie and the movies that we brought were i brought goodfellas because I, we had it in the house, and I thought it was funny. I thought it was a funny movie. I didn't realize how horrible it was until, like, I didn't realize it was, like, a mob movie until, like, mm-hmm. I, my late teens. I was like, oh, dang, it's it's about the mob. It's, like, literally the first line in that movie is about being a gangster, yeah. but to, kids are stupid. Yeah. Like, I, I get that. Like, lots of stuff went over my head when yeah. I was a kid. I yeah. just thought, like, it was funny because, like, in my mind, what a gangster was was not that. Right. Mm. So like that was not what my exposure to what a gangster was. So in my mind, I thought it was just like ironic and funny. So like I'm like, like it was very weird because in my mind, like gangsters were like my Norteño cousins. So that's what I you know what I'm saying? So I'm figuring in my mind like this white guy is being like all my life. I wanted to be in Norteño would have been fucking it's like the same mentality. He's doing like cultural appropriation. Yeah, but in the funniest possible way by like not doing it at all, right? <laughs> so like, <laughs> anyways, it, that's like was my, my mindset, but then my little sister brought Polly and my, no, my little brother brought Polly and my little sister brought Annie and uh-huh. every day after, cause like they got to play cause they weren't older, like they got to play and hang out and like do a mud pit and I was like doing manual labor and every day at the end of my day, I got to watch those three movies every day and so they like submit <laughs> you make it sound like prison it, it, like, it was three vhs movies in the rec room it was literally prison, prison like it was <laughs> uh hard labor in the california sun yeah you're just cooking like you're literally sweating all day you're getting like what is it you're getting thorns in your hands from the cactus mm-hmm. it's just it was literally brutal labor and then my grandpa his his job was to go get food and like he would just go in town to the bar because there's a bar and a grocery store and he would go to the grocery store and buy all the food and put it in his trunk and then he would get hammered and because there's no like uh, there's no one else driving he would just drive home mm-hmm. just hammered and like he would buy it's all the whole road it's well, fine. He, he a normal person would buy the groceries and then go home and then go back to the bar and get hammered or yeah. get hammered then get the groceries and then go home but like mm. This is Central California where it's like over 110, 120 degrees. And it's the middle of the summer. Yeah, and, and he would just buy all the groceries, put them in the car, and then proceed to get hammered for a few hours and then drive home. So we'd get bologna and it would just be hot, you know, like cooked. It'd be like fully cooked bologna. Oh my God. Completely. awful. Yeah. I, I think about like how much of my groceries are frozen, and I'm like, I'm just picturing like ice cream dying in the back of a trunk like it's a dog left in the car like that's sucks <laughs> you know uh, the you know those um those like mexican juice pops they're like made of plastic you know what i'm talking about they're just full of juice and you, they turn into ice like an otter pop they're like that but the mexican version of it is like a tube okay yeah, right and they're called like paletas you. or something like they're called like suckers essentially mm-hmm. but like my grandpa would buy those and they'd be frozen and then by the time they get to us they'd be hot and we would just drink them like juice pops and we had no idea that they were supposed to be frozen, like awesome. way until we were way older. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So I guess this little tube of juice that was always slightly undersized. Uh, yeah. Actually has a <laughs> yeah, 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 In- insane. But um, uh, no, I think watching so watching movies like you watch the same three movies over and over and over again, mm-hmm. you you stop giving a single shit about what's going on in the movie, and then you start okay. noticing things. Like the like cinematography and like the lighting and like the period pieces and whether or not it's accurate to like, you know, you're looking at like costumes and makeup. It's very weird because like I'm 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 picturing <laughs> you as a child just like enraptured watching this like weird Tony Shalhoub kids movie yeah. <laughs> being like, 
Wow, the camera work in this is incredible. The so in Annie, the camera work in Annie is like top tier. It's like it actually goes hard. Yeah, now. it's like Kurosawa level, and you wouldn't expect it because it's a, and like Polly has some of the best lighting I've ever seen in my life, and it's like such Wait, a stupid. Really? Yeah, it's so good, but you don't. No one cares. No one gives a shit. Right. right it's like it's not a very good movie, so yeah. no one's gonna see. I think Annie, you can like people would probably appreciate it a little bit more but yeah. i actually haven't seen that in forever i barely remember anything do you have, like i have several movies where like i remember the trailer a lot better than i remember the movie itself because mm -hmm. the trailer would come on like ahead of one of my favorite movies that i would watch over and over and over and mm -hmm. so i just have like lines from the trailers etched indelibly into my memory mm -hmm. uh it's bugs life great. I, it's bugs huh? life bugs life and matilda because that was before the tony shalhoub Polly movie yeah so I can remember. Um, yeah. I remember, like, the Mulan VHS had, like, a bunch of, uh, like, clips from Mulan, like, introducing different trailers uh, mm -hmm. ahead of the feature presentation. Mm -hmm. And I, it's so, like, linked in my head to those. I, I don't know. It's crazy. But, um, yeah. I mean, like, when I was a kid, I had a very good, very sheltered childhood. I didn't mm -hmm. have, like, a ton of friends. It was all, like me and my siblings mm -hmm. and so we would just watch movies and we all have like these weird annoying like eidetic memory things and mm -hmm. so we would quote them all the time mm -hmm. and like eventually it was impossible to like have a conversation that wasn't just movie quotes over and over and no one from outside could like understand what we were talking about <laughs> and i'm like oh no we're just i just quoted like nine movies in a row and they all have no like relationship to each other so i always had like that kind of thing where like movies were how I bonded with my family mm -hmm. and it didn't really matter like how good it was mm -hmm. and so I look back on stuff I used to watch as a teenager and I'm like oh maybe 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 I had terrible taste in movies at that point <laughs> I uh, it's 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 very funny that you bring that up because like I feel that same way about music I have terrible mm -hmm. taste in music like I'll admit it the, yeah the I listen to the absolute worst I'm just like I'm a 30 year old I'm a 34 year old man who's like barely recently getting back in to like mud vein that's you know what I'm saying like that's that's bad that is people I <laughs> I like I have such a limited understanding of music in general like mm -hmm. all this stuff that you guys always post to the discord and stuff I'll open it up and I'll be like I I like this. This is cool. I've never heard anything like it, but mm -hmm. I, uh, it was always like top 40 yeah, uh, in my house. I've, I've branched out a little bit, but like you talk about different styles yeah. of music. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Tell me. I, I got into noise music super young, which is very bad for you, right? Because it, it destroys <laughs> your ability to listen to like regular music. Um, yeah. I remember what I remember the exact what had happened was um, I used to host an open mic and people would come in and like I was when I would host the open mic I didn't want I I was I'm a hater like naturally <laughs> so I hate when people are like good at stuff and everyone likes them that to me like I'm, I'm always looking for like a, a underdog situation but uh guys mm -hmm. guys would come in like they would look like Amber, like Abercrombie models just gorgeous men and then they would like sit down and sing like these beautiful songs about women who dump them like you know playing guitar immaculately and everyone liked it and i was just like nah this is bo i've seen six other dudes do this you know what i'm saying yeah and also the thing about that is like if you're a really really hot person <clears throat> and you got dumped you know it's because of your personality as yeah, your like, shithead yeah it's <laughs> yeah, <you're> yeah. <laughs> and so like yeah i so i you know very boring it wasn't my style wasn't my thing but then i ended up like uh i started like attracting because we were right next to like a stand-up comedy uh like venue and they mm -hmm. guys who they would be drunk as fuck and they would come from they'd be like yeah the comic there sucked i could probably do better so they'd come to the open mic and then literally just try it out and from there those guys started getting like increasingly weirder bits and so it started with this guy being like wouldn't it be funny if i just go on stage and i yelled for a whole minute i like just yelled for an entire minute and I started most normal stand up comic. Yeah, honestly. they're like, dude, not words, just a one yell. Like, just a, yelling. yeah, yelling, it's like yelling, a sustained yell for an entire minute. And then like, all right, that's my time. Have a good one. And it was one of the it was so funny. But like, also, it started attracting like, because people were posting clips on Facebook of like, you know, like in YouTube, like, oh, this is and people were like, oh, is this a noise music open mic? 
that's so sick. And more and more and more people just started coming and like bringing like elaborate instruments I've never seen before. And I would at first I was kind of like, oh man, that's I don't know if we can let this happen. And then as I started watching them perform, I realized these guys are just having the times of their lives. I was like, oh, yeah. this is this is sick. And that's how I ended up getting into noise and it ruined me. I, I cannot <laughs> listen to regular music at all. Like it's I yeah, when I hear like Taylor Swift or Top Forty and I'm like, Oh, that's that where's like you know what this could really use is like a harsh siren noise for two minutes, right? Like <laughs> Yeah, like someone should be fucking this up. It shouldn't yeah, sound this Yeah, way, it should right? yeah. <laughs> it's too clean. Like, too clean. Yeah. But, I remember you had um schizo scriptures on the pod yes. uh, a few months ago, I think, and I went and listened to some of her music and like I felt my mind open and I was like, oh, this is scary. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I still listen to some of her music and like I'm slowly integrating some like more not top 40. I don't know. I was such a Taylor Swift fan for so long. Swift. Like You and Shogs. Shogs is the biggest shit Swifty I've ever met. And it's so weird for him. Like, <laughs> Dude, okay. I, I am friends with some insane Swifties, like especially mm-hmm. on Twitter. Like, do you know about like the whole Gaylor thing? I do know, like that she's like doing QAnon messages to let everyone know that she's yeah. gay. I'm I'm like well her her fans think so. Yeah, I'm well aware of like Taylor Swift lore, but that's because she's like my mortal enemy, and so I like I <laughs> I do like research on her, like opposition research. I'm like, what is she trying to cook up next? You know? Yeah, yeah. It is it is crazy. I have like this sort of theory that like the the smarter that a fan base thinks the creator of their favorite like thing is the more likely they are to think that there's secret gay messages in it you see it literally everywhere mm-hmm. and so i i can't tell if gayler is just like the natural proclivity of the internet to think things are gay mm-hmm. or if it's like actually she's putting I, I don't think she's actually putting signs that she's gay in but she puts so many like fake like false flag stuff mm-hmm into her releases that of course people are going to think like there's something weird there. I don't know. My hot take on Taylor Swift is that she's like a huge alt-right figure and that she's way into like Groyper stuff. And she's like a a 4chan Nazi and everyone hates me for that one. But like, cause it's, yeah, I disagree with that. there's, There's a lot of stuff there. That's like too much of a coincidence for it to be right. Like, there was like the friends. Well, that's what the Gaylers say. Yeah, that's about her being that's, gay. that's like, yeah. People seek patterns. <laughs> that's why, like, I don't put any stock into it, but like, I'm ready for like the cancellation of her, right? Like, and people are like, I've got, I've got ammo, I've got ammunition, I'm waiting on it. But you know, yeah, I, uh, I, I do know that like alt right shitheads used to think that she was like their girl, like before she came out with like, oh yeah, no, I like gay people and I mm-hmm. hate Donald Trump, like mm-hmm. people like. So I went to a college in Idaho with, like, a ton of very, very conservative people. Mm -hmm. And I was relatively conservative, too, at the time. But I would hear people talking about, like, yeah, Taylor Swift, she's, like, she gets us. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, right, you were a piece of shit. Okay, I get it. (laughs) Uh, Just, like, the way that people project onto onto celebrities, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, yeah. That's what makes, like, that's, I don't know, that that's the thing that makes, like, it's very frustrating to me as like someone who makes art and media and like has critiques on stuff. Cause I see like a, mm-hmm. this big pattern in like American consumer like uh, patterns. And that's essentially like the blandest shit gets the most play because you can just kind of put all of your shit onto it. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you have to appeal to the like, not the lowest common denominator, but the greatest common denominator. And in order to do that, you have to wipe out detail. You have to, like, mm-hmm. get rid of the things that are, like, like unique and beautiful. It's why the Marvel Cinematic Universe fell apart yeah. so, like, so, so abruptly. Yeah. Is because they started, like, well, they've always kind of been trying to appeal to the, like, larger market, right? Mm-hmm. But... Uh, it just stopped having anything unique or interesting or creative to say. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I guess this is like... Well, even like to, to talk about like... Know. Okay, so like to, to to move over to a different diva that like also makes music. Like Doja Cat, right? Doja Cat wants to make... I can You can see it in... in she wants to make new metal. She wants to yeah. have a harder she, sound. 
you know, like, but she can't. She wants to do something that will, like, make the world see that she's not just another, like, pop hip-hop person. She wants to be her, like, weird nerdy self. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of, and she's always had this, uh, like, harder edge to her music that, like, there's a, Mm. she does a cover. She did literally a new metal cover of, I can't remember what song it was, but she did a new metal cover of her own song. And ended up getting like copyright copyright striked by her own team because it was someone else's. I don't know. There's a lot going on there, but listening to that song, it slaps. It's good, and like the She Devil song, like the um, the direction, the art direction that she went. Yeah, yeah. The art direction that she went in that, right? Like, is so different yeah. from everything else she's prior released. You can tell that she wants that harder edge to do that but she's trapped by the constraints mm-hmm. of she knows that if she did the shit that she wanted her shit wouldn't sell and she actively hates her fans yeah, for like that she would lose listeners. Yeah. yeah and so like yeah she's she's like actively at war with her fans which in my mind rocks that's tight I, yeah. right? like, totally. it, it seems like it seems like so often like because back in the day, you had to be special, and then you would, like, get picked up and sell out, and then all the, like, detail would go away, right? Mm-hmm. But nowadays, it feels like people get big by appealing to the greatest common denominator, and then they're just like, man, this sucks. I want to, like, make good shit now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Shouts out to Tyler, the creator, like, for being able to do that. Like, because he started mm-hmm. Niche, gained some kind of, like, acceptance and following, and is able to what I like what I like is seeing an artist grow and then being able to grow alongside their audience so they're like constantly capturing because there is still people who fuck with like the early stuff that's like edge lord shit which you know I'm one of those guys but also there are people who fuck with his later stuff like me right so like mm-hmm. there's a lot of in between you can choose a lot of different and I think that he's got a better avenue for it because hip hop is a little bit easier to do that mm-hmm. but i think pop is like fucking yeah pop hip-hop. is just so formulaic yeah. it's, it's really really hard to break out yeah, yeah. And, and even when you do people are like okay cool that was a fun thing that we just did can we get back to the pop now yeah 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 yeah, yeah this was a fun little break and then they then it's fucking the same shit that you've always heard that's i've, I've got a lot of opinions about pop which is why and they're all bad they're all like hateful and malevolent because <laughs> i don't i'm so like anti-pop i just like noise i like weird things i like i like it when i can see uh, actually, a lot of the music that I listen to, like a lot of the, um, I find the music that I, I end up listening to the most. Like right now, the person I've been obsessed with, uh, rapper, her name's Changeling. Uh, she is, she's a trans artist. I don't know where she's from, but her music is so unlike anything I've ever heard. And it's like the fastest paced hip hop breakcore stuff I've ever heard. It's just crazy. It's just in your face and it's so aggressive, but it's also extremely authentic. And I think that's what I like about it is in hearing her, Mm -hmm. I'm hearing her voice and like, she's not like anyone I've ever heard before. And I love that in an artist. And so like, I don't know when I, when I listen to art, I'm always looking for like some authenticity or I'm looking for something no one else is seeing in it. Right. Like I'm Mm. I'll spend time with something that sucks or something that is not good and like just really sit there and really force myself. And then I'll eventually find something that is good about it. Like and that's Mm -hmm. but I don't like what I don't do that with pop. I hate that, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Really like watching bad film and, and like bad art. Not necessarily because, like, there's something in there that I like, but it's because I love analyzing things in context. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'll look at something and I'll be like, yes, this is bad, but why is it bad? What are the feelings that make it bad? Like, you, you, like, break it apart like it's, like, a terrible piece of cake. And you're like, what did you put in here that's so bad? Mm -hmm. And and also, like, what kind of person would like this? I don't know. I I like, uh, I don't know. I'm a not very good at like living in the moment i'm always like overthinking shit and so i'm just like yeah what uh what the fuck happened here um you found you found a great home by the way that's i'm the same way (laughs) yeah yeah. it's great like being able to engage with something on its level and be like oh hey this is interesting why did that happen like you can ask so many different questions and it like it allows you to like engage with people on a different level and like see things from different perspectives Mm -hmm. like 
I feel like too many people, they focus on what they like rather than what they can observe and what they can learn from something. Mm -hmm. And I guess like not too many people because there's no correct way to enjoy something. But Mm -hmm. I personally take a lot of uh, enjoyment out of being able to be like, well, let's let's like hold this up and and put a different like lens over it and see what we see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is one of the reasons I started the podcast uh, Bisexually Lit is because I was just like, we need like there's so many different things that I'm like, what if this person were gay or what if this person, what if this movie were actually talking about capitalism or, Mm -hmm. or something like that? Uh, It's great. I've I've got like an insanely skit. Oh, go ahead. ahead. I I was going to say also, I was, I think my friends were sick of me just talking about movies to them all the time. (laughs) I needed an outlet. (laughs) That's literally, I, I drove everyone around me insane by trying to make everything a joke that I started a podcast so I, I get it. Um, I have an insane schizophrenic theory about um, Dumb and Dumber being a beautiful, wonderful uh, metaphor for venture capitalism. And oh. everyone thinks I'm insane for this, but I, I don't care. <laughs> okay. Hot take. Well, not hot take. I've never seen Dumb and, uh, mm-hmm. Dumb and Dumber. Okay. Um, I... Yeah, maybe I'll have to watch it and and see it from that point of view. It's it's tenuous at best, but essentially, like the movie mm. is them finding a bunch of money and then spending all of the money, and then at the end they get completely forgiven, and like they they spend the money in increasingly stupid ways because in their minds, well, this money is like we're gonna replace this money, so it doesn't matter that we're spending it all. And then like it's but it's a beautiful metaphor for how dumb that is low key how venture capitalism works. Yeah, They're it, like, let's suck all the value out of this thing. Um it'll be okay. Yeah, it's fine. There's always gonna be more investors. Yeah. That's literally that is literally how the movie that's the whole point of the movie. And like no one is seeing it from that perspective. It makes me feel like a crazy person. But I you know, you talking about how you spend your time like when you walk, you look at bad media, like bad movies and stuff. You know, my I have a bad habit of like pathologizing people, right? And so like trying mm-hmm. to trying to think about how they like what it was in them that makes them tick, that makes them think the way that they do. And so like the mm-hmm. problem is that like all of the media that grabs my attention usually tends to be like bad, like not bad media in the sense that it's like poorly made, but bad media in the sense that the intention was to like be mm-hmm. upsetting or to be like i i find myself watching a lot of like right-wing propaganda like just to see what the fuck those guys are on and like a a lot of it is just like pathologically these guys are just like very they're very uh, they're just like there's this very weird um pathological need for them to be dominated but it can't mm. they can't do that they can't accept that so they got i'm dominant i'm alpha right. and it's a very like the manosphere yeah, itself entire, like pers- yeah. yeah their entire personality is based on this need to be dominated and like that need like the the insistence that like if i stop being dominant then i lose my uh, my like position, my identity, my worth, that kind of instills a sort of scrupulosity in them where it's like, okay, I can't think about being less powerful than I am. And then those feelings of, of being less powerful become like a, a trend or a cycle in their mind. And then mm-hmm. they're like, oh, oops, I have a kink now. Yeah, well, even like, so I, my problem is that I'm, I'm, I'm I grew up very much like, in a very machismo house household, right? Like, boys don't cry. You got to be tough. And I that's, I can't separate a lot of my identity from that because mm-hmm. it is me, right? And I'm aware of that. So, like, I lean in in some places and I and I pull out in others. But I what I find myself doing is, like, I'll always try to make a joke of something. But one of the interesting things that I see in it is that, like, a reframing that I had and I I think about this because it was like to bring back my grandma and grandpa um my grandpa was a shithead I love him but he was a shithead he was a drunk and he fucking was a shithead right like normal and my grandma uh everyone was afraid of my grandpa because a big strong manly man went fought in world war ii and everyone was like yeah you know like that guy he's the man he's the shit he's strong and he doesn't he never backs down he never gives up and there would be days 
he would, you know, just be in a terrible ranting and raving mood and he's screaming and yelling. And my grandma, while everyone else was afraid of him, would be like, you're having a bad day? Fuck you, pal. It's not going to make me have a bad day. And I remember, <laughs> I remember her, like, thinking like that of like, oh, so that sounds like a you problem. Like, you're having a bad day because that's not going to stop me from having a good day. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I never, that that was a level of strength that I didn't, that I, like I respected more than seeing my grandpa rant and rave, right? That resiliency, that that ability to, it, 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 it kind of broadened my perspective on what strength is and what strength. And so like now even I find myself when I am getting upset with something or with someone, I think back to what my grandmother, like, that sucks that you're having a bad day. I'm not going to let it make me have a bad day. Um, and I think about that, like, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely more of a sign of strength to rebel against, like, the external forces around you than it is to give in to those and be like, oh, I've been taught to be, like, macho. I've been taught that anger is the only way to express myself. Therefore, I'm going to do that. Versus everything around me is going wrong and everything around me sucks. But I choose to maintain myself and I choose mm -hmm. to you know, make sure that I feel good. Mm -hmm. um, I, I actually, so I wasn't raised in like a machismo household, but I was mm -hmm. raised super fucking Mormon. Mm -hmm. um, and so I totally get what you're saying about like, you, you're trying to like separate, you're trying to like analyze which parts of you are that so you can like extricate them. But it's, it's really like, it's part of you. Like mm -hmm. the part of me that was, you know, raised in a shame based household, like, just because I've moved past that shame doesn't necessarily mean that the parts of me that the shame and the way I was raised, like the parts that were built by that, it doesn't make them bad. It just makes them part of me and it makes them complicated, but like complication is cool. <laughs> Shogs yeah. always gives me shit about this because I haven't, I have like a, this alter ego is the wrong thing, but I definitely have like something called Darkos, right? <laughs> Which is Dark Marcos. Okay. But like yeah. Darkos is my baser instinct darkos is what i like to think about is uh my first reaction to the world is always darkos's reaction my second reaction mm -hmm. is mine right so like my immediate yeah. like you know shit this is happening that's darkos be reacting darkos is reactive mm -hmm. because he is a shithead he's machismo he's trying to make a buck on you he thinks that he doesn't believe in like selfless uh on like selflessness he doesn't believe in um you know uh unconditional love he doesn't believe in any of the stuff that i personally want to uphold he believes all that stuff is bullshit and so that's his first reaction to anything that happens and my job is to see his reaction and then be like okay all right we're not doing that mm -hmm. do you know what i'm saying and so yeah. like that's why i don't integrate because shog's like oh you got to integrate you got to integrate your shadow self and i get why you would like why most people do that but i, I like to keep mm -hmm. darkos in a cage you know <laughs> and, yeah. And like yeah that's and it's like it, it's you can love darkos because yeah. like he has certain aspects that are good i'm sure like mm -hmm. every part of us does but also it's like recognizing that that's not you and that's not what you want like that's mm -hmm. super important i actually um Ah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I, the whole integrating thing. It's tough. I, I have a, I have a theory that like a lot of, a lot of like the homie manifesto that I wrote is built on mm -hmm. this idea that like a lot of self improvement is essentially just marketing tactics because it's always with the idea of you have to buy this product to be better, mm -hmm. or you have to, you have to like, you have to essentially make yourself more compatible with a capitalist society by like enjoying yourself in, you know, under duress, under the duress of like, you know, having to work 40 hours a week to just to not have ends meet. You know what I'm saying? And then you have yeah. to, and you have to feel like, well, I put myself here. This is, I want this. No, no, that's not how that works at all. Mm -hmm. There's, there's more yeah, to like, it. Than... Yeah. Self-help is so like, it's really not about helping yourself. It's about like trying to find the thing that will make things easy. Mm -hmm. And the fact is like capitalism makes things really hard. And so they're constantly trying to market things that'll beat capitalism, but it's like, you're using capitalism to do that. It doesn't mm -hmm. really work. Like 
I, I definitely fall into that of like, oh, this is the thing that'll fix me. Buying this candle will fix me. Doing shrooms will fix me. And like, no, because it's not me that's the problem. It's the world. The yeah. world sucks right now. So, and like, yeah. The, what I found and what works for me is helping other people. And, and I don't mean like helping other people like in the sense of like going out and giving to charity and all that stuff. Because I, I mean, I do that too. But like helping in the sense of like putting myself in a position where I'm able to help people. Right. Yeah. And like that to me is the most important part of it, because I think that gets glossed over when a lot of people have also come to this like conclusion where like if you want to feel better about yourself, just start helping people. Sure, dude. Yeah. Yeah, Great. Yeah. Everyone wants to do that. But also if you can't fucking if you can't put yourself in a position where you can help somebody, then how the fuck are you going to help anybody? So, yeah. And it's like I I, I feel like a lot of like this self-improvement stuff it's like yeah you 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 try so hard to like put yourself in an easy a good situation but you are like it makes you focus on yourself it's Mm -hmm. this scam that like perpetuates Mm -hmm. because it's causing you to be focused entirely on yourself when really like you said like turning outward to other people and taking care of other people and thinking about them like Mm -hmm. that's the thing it's like the thing that we were made to do, but mm-hmm. capitalism pits everybody against each other mm-hmm. and it leaves us with so little time to engage uh, that that's, that's why things are getting harder. It's just because we're so isolated I, um, and it's so hard to reach out to people. I break this fucking rule all the goddamn time because I'm the king of breaking my own rules. But um, when I, I'm in sales now, so like my brain is real bad and it's like real nasty with like ambition, right? Like Like the gross mm-hmm. ambition where I'm like, Hmm, like, how do I make the most amount of money for people that aren't me? <laughs> right. So like, it's bad. But when I was a chef um, and I used to cook, you're the the way that the restaurant that I worked at, because it was like a corporate cafeteria, there was multiple head chefs and we were all like essentially competing with each other to like mm-hmm. for budget. Right. So it was really brutal and like very hard. And then mm-hmm. I started talking to the other chefs about what they needed and like what they needed their budgets for. And like how how we can like figure out ways to mitigate like oh, I'll go a little I'll go with a little bit I'll make a little less I can make do with a little bit less because I'm only doing like we're doing Mexican food this this month so like it's you know all I really need is just like some proteins and beans and rice and tortillas and the veg the veggies we can figure that out later right and mm-hmm. um, the term that I started using was uh, non competitive ambition which was like. I don't need to stab you in the back to get ahead, right? I don't need to yeah. put you down to make myself look good. Like, we can we can make each other look good based on communication. And I'm like, in fact, them fucking splitting up the budget like this is so that we're f- fighting constantly so that we don't realize mm-hmm. that if we all work together, we'd have a better budget. And we, you know what I'm saying? And exactly. We'd, you're like, like, got enough. Yeah. And yeah, so, like, I, yeah. But that, like, getting back, that that non that non competitive ambition is something that is like difficult because in order to approach that, you have to understand that like, if you really are serious about wanting to help people, the first person you need to help is yourself, and that seems mm-hmm. selfish. It feels selfish, but it's not mm-hmm. because you, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and like, it takes a lot of self knowledge to know what you need and not like go over it Mm -hmm. because it like we yeah uh being able to give to people like being able to look at what you have and say i have enough that's like super duper hard like people aren't really like wired to do that um but the more we're able to do that and just like be really real about what we need um it's easier to have that like non-competitive uh thing like i i work in a really high stress environment uh And, like, a lot of the people I work with are very ambitious. Like, I wouldn't say we're in competition, but people are always thinking about, like, promotions, getting shit done. Like, especially promotions are coming up in, like, a few weeks now. And Mm -hmm. I'm super stressed because I don't think I'm going to get the promotion. But I was talking to some some coworkers Mm -hmm. and I was like, well, how, how can we help the people that we manage to, like, you know, do better and, like, meet their goals better? And then this guy I work with was like, well... I mean, I don't think that that would be a really good use of my time because what if I do too good a job and then they don't want to promote me away from my job? I'm like, 
first that, of all, it's like a very zero sum way of thinking. Mm-hmm. But like that idea that like by being kind, by helping people, by like building something up, I'm gonna lose something. Like that's just silly. That like, that stuff does yeah, happen in each other. That stuff does happen in corporate structures, but that's like <laughs> that's it does, but also like it's it's not that that is not the reason okay. why yeah, yeah. he's not getting promoted. Like it's not because he's yeah. too good at his job. Yeah, yeah. I get that. It's always people who, who say that that end up, you know what I mean? You rise to the level of your yeah. incompetency is what someone once said about that. But I mean, if you think about it like the problem is that like there has to be a way and I I this is like goes back to me talking about pathologizing people like looking at people trying to mm-hmm. understand them on levels. By I I like to think of like looking at I I spend a lot of fucking time if anyone who listens to the pod I spend a lot of goddamn time looking at like the absolute worst of humanity just terrible people and I spend lots of waking hours watching their videos taking notes like look looking into them and not for any reason like I don't share any of that stuff I don't like I I could go on YouTube and become like look at like look at all these little cow clout guy i could do that but i i don't do it for that reason i do it because i see in them so many avenues of myself right like of, of things that i was or things that i str- had struggled with or did struggle with right like this mm-hmm. this alienation this feeling that nobody understands me these feelings that like you know i'm i'm one of one no one is like me in the world and like there's a lot of alienation going on going on and in a workplace environment that's key to them essentially like driving you against your coworkers, making it impossible for you to do and they like uh it was my grandma who said uh any time spent helping someone else is never time wasted and like i i think about that shit all the time that that is so like there are times you know in my professional life in my personal life when I spend just hours and hours and hours helping people that are shitheads and just completely like take advantage of me. And instead of being upset by that, I I think to myself like, well, you didn't really take anything from me because I was giving it to you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, you know what I mean? You can't steal from someone who's giving you things. And so like, I don't feel like that time is wasted. In fact, I felt, I feel like the experience of me doing something for someone that doesn't care or doesn't care enough about themselves or doesn't care enough about the you know myself or any of like any of the basic human emotions to just take a take what i've given them and then like you know leave without any kind of like you know whatever i see those people as test to my own like a training exercise for myself of like my own empathy like how do i yeah I'm, i'm upset with it but like did i really waste any time if i'm getting this if i'm stretching this muscle right like yeah, it's it's more about what you're giving rather than like what they're receiving. Yeah. Right. It's like it doesn't really matter like who I'm helping. It's about the act of giving and like, you know, getting in touch with myself via or, or not even getting in touch with yourself, but like just being kind to someone. Yeah. Like that's something that's it's kind of hard to practice, but you're practicing being kind and being giving and that's like that's pretty cool wait it's uh, a weightlifting what is it the weightlifting motto weightlifters motto is that like everything is training even injuries right like everything is training (laughs) right like everything is is an an essence to getting you stronger and like and i believe that i believe that same mentality for like even like depression and like mental health Mm -hmm. issues right like struggling with mental health doesn't mean that someone comes in and like just you you hit them with all of your deepest darkest trauma and you just let it sit on them mm-hmm. and then you feel better about yourself that doesn't do anything other than like make you a someone who's just like constantly trauma dumping what instead should happen is like spotting like a spotter someone coming up mm-hmm. to you and being like hey i see you're struggling with some of that weight let me know if you need some help you know what i'm saying but if you mm-hmm. don't i totally understand right that builds agency it makes you it makes you a little tougher it makes you a little bit more resilient and like resiliency is difficult to fucking train like that's physically and emotionally you know um 
it's all this like huge process of becoming right mm-hmm. and it's like we're all just helping each other become something new and so even if you're like if you're struggling with depression you are becoming something mm-hmm. it's just about like finding the thing that you are becoming and, and letting that become a part of you mm-hmm. um but then like helping people out and yeah because because so often people are like yeah i'm just gonna like well no i don't even know if it's often that people are just like i'm gonna drop here and just like be sad Mm -hmm. but the people who see their needs and ask for them like that's a huge like plus in real in reality and in in life and in development so Mm -hmm. yeah it's i don't know it's it's tough i'm like the worst person for this because i don't fucking ever ask for help right when i'm struggling and like there are times when i'm just like deep in the shit and my friend's like how you doing man i'm like i'm fine I'm great. I've, yeah, I'm I've never been better. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I, I'm great. You know, I haven't thought about my killing myself at all. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, yeah. you know, I have, it, it's, it's, it's difficulty. It's difficult, but I also like, do feel like I have a network that I could rely on people if I, if I needed to. And in that way, I feel like more supported than I normally was. Because like a few years ago, before I had started this podcast, before I had met all these nice, p- cool people in the Discord and outside the Discord and everybody like online, mm-hmm. I have figured out a way to translate a lot of like online um, parasocial relationships was what people would call them mm-hmm. um, into like real friendships. Like, I, you know what I mean? people that I care about and people that care about me and they check up on me and they talk to me and they text me and stuff that's to me that is a win right I, I set out to do something uh where I wanted to create a movement uh build a playbook of like how to be sincere online how to like how to how to how to be funny and how to str- straddle that line between someone who's completely unhinged while also being like the normalest guy and and mm-hmm. and making friends online and making those friends friends in real life and like doing all of this shit learning all of this stuff it's it's crazy to me because i i see other people doing it now too like like when i see other podcasters like yourself uh tracing something that you're interested in which is like you know uh watching bad movies letting people know whether or not they were gay and hint they're all they're all gay mm-hmm. um but They're like all, all of them, every single one of them is gay. But uh, being able to see like that and then you build a small community off of that is so like it's a beautiful thing. And I keep seeing it. And like podcasters get a bad rep and it's deserved. We're shitheads. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. but but also like it's every single one of us. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing to see people like build in this little space that, you know what I'm saying, that other people have built. And like just being friends, talking and stuff. And yeah. yeah, I got something that I like. I have found doing the podcast is like, I feel like we all have this need to feel understood, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like even five or six years ago, everything online was was kind of pointed towards like relatable culture or at least in the circles that i was in right Mm -hmm. everyone was always talking about like oh this is so relatable we were like trying to find a way to relate like on a very surface level Mm -hmm. but then the more like like consuming media doesn't really do that anymore you have to start creating something and you have to start connecting with people because like there were a lot of like emotional needs that were a lot easier to to fulfill in the internet of like 2017 and 2018 and now it's like everything's falling apart you know twitter doesn't work google doesn't work Mm -hmm. and so like things you have to be so much more like intentional about the spaces you create and the spaces you engage with and like that's something that i've been really focusing on is like seeking out places that i like seeking out positive places like when i when i came upon this uh when i came upon the ain't shit show i was like oh like there's like some really really good vibes here. Uh, yeah, there's so some scary like, ones yeah, too, though. Like, hey, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, <laughs> they're so. Yeah. Even even the vibes that are like, oh, I don't know if I can recommend this show to my friends. Yeah. Even then, I'm like, they're it's nice. Like it's it's not in a like destructive way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I'll admit that sometimes I say like anti anti white racism stuff that's like way on the line where I'm like this. Look, this this is the closest I've ever got to I, saying a I white think, person slur. Right? Like, <laughs> I think most like, yeah, almost anything you say against white people is probably justified. Like, 
as like an insanely white person, I'm just like, you know what? Just it's, fuck, it's fuck a, everybody. It's a like long story. It's a huge bit that we've been doing for a very long time, but it's just very funny. And I just like, I don't know. I my, I think I rely on when I start running out of jokes. That's the first thing I go. I'm like, all right, what can I what can I say to make some <laughs> make some people mad? You know what I mean? Like that's that provocateur. I white people. Yeah, and then people get mad, and then you know you explain your position, and then they're like, what is this guy's a schizophrenic? And I'm like, exactly. Why are you? You know what I mean? <laughs> why are you taking yeah. any of this seriously? Nothing I see matters. So like, why do you care? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm I, saying? That's like, yeah. I I tend to do that with like straight people mm-hmm. i i am like slightly heterophobic uh mm-hmm. but i take myself too seriously i don't think it lands very well sometimes mm-hmm. i'll just oh hang on uh one sec yeah. is that is that our building I think so. oh our fire alarm is going <laughs> off Can we just... through the miracle of stereo today's sound is designed to suit you <laughs>